Welcome to the Daily Doc Podcast. I'm Dr. Stephen Tillum. I want to help you by teaching you simple daily habits with large benefits, educate you about chronic medical conditions without heavy, meaningless medical language, and help you to get the most out of your every encounter with your primary care physician. The Daily Doc Podcast, making you healthier and wealthier day by day and helping you to dodge the hospital. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Daily Doc Podcast, your daily dose of common sense medical advice and guideline-driven information triple distilled for your enjoyment. As always, I'm Dr. Stephen Tillum. So how does alcohol actually affect the body? If you listened to the last episode on tobacco, you learned all about the ancient reward systems of the brain. A quick refresher. The brain uses both electric and chemical signals for communication. We focused on dopamine, part of the chemical communication system, last time. And again, it has a significant role in driving repeat or habitual consumption. Your nucleus accumbens, or reward center, is only partially responsible for addiction, however. The development of a habitual addiction finds roots in multiple parts of the brain. When you drink an alcoholic drink in a pleasant location, surrounded by friends and family, you build happy associations. When you share a toast over a success, you create bonds with friends, and alcohol is recorded as part of that happy memory. Not all associations with alcohol are happy, of course, but when it isn't happy, it usually serves as an escape or diversion from a difficult circumstance. Relationships, memories, and positive associations reinforced by the reward centers in the brain are a strong motivator to continue drinking. Let's explore how the way that alcohol enters the body, damages the liver, and eventually affects your brain. Alcohol is typically a solution of ethanol and water with other additives for flavoring or as a byproduct of its production. This accounts for the incredible variety of drinks available on store shelves. When consumed, alcohol is absorbed in both the stomach and small intestine. The blood flow from these two organs then passes through the liver, where it's processed and purified of toxins. Unfortunately, from the perspective of your body, alcohol is a poison. It's during this step that damage slowly builds up over time and eventually leads to liver injury, scarring, and eventually cirrhosis. If this attack happens infrequently, much like a casual drinker who only enjoys a cocktail or beer once in a rare while, the liver is capable of healing itself and returning to its normal level of function. However, after repeated assaults, the liver's healing capacity is eventually overcome and scar tissue is laid down, which will never heal. Sometimes this process is painful, and sometimes it's painless. This also explains why some people can have one or two beverages without becoming intoxicated. The liver is capable of metabolizing or breaking down the ethanol as it's consumed. An average liver is capable of metabolizing approximately four ounces of hard liquor or an equivalent beverage like eight ounces of beer or six ounces of wine in one hour. Although this may seem counterintuitive, alcohol tolerance does not start in the liver. The liver moves at a relatively fixed rate throughout your entire life unless it's been damaged. I'll talk about tolerance after we discuss ethanol's next and final important stop, your brain. Ethanol is a relatively small molecule in the blood. 
And because of that, it's able to pass through an important checkpoint in your body, the blood-brain barrier. This is a built-in security system that protects you from large chemicals entering and damaging your brain. Only a very few small molecules can pass through freely. Other, larger molecules are actively transported through this barrier to serve a particular purpose. Ethanol, however, gets a free ride past security given its size. Having slipped past the outer border of your brain, it builds up. This accumulated ethanol makes its way to the communication stations throughout your brain known as synapses. These are gaps between your nerves where the chemical signals are communicated from one neuron to another. The language of neurons, as we talked about before, is chemicals called neurotransmitters. Ethanol has a particular chemical signal, which allows it to find and trigger the activity of a special neurotransmitter called GABA. This neurotransmitter serves a number of roles in the natural order of the body, but you are likely most familiar with its ability to alter your balance, lower your inhibitions, shorten your memory, and in general, make you feel drunk. Now you have a strong understanding of the how in alcohol addiction. Let's take a small break here as we segue into a description of intoxication, tolerance development, and the pitfalls of detox. Welcome to the break. Did you know alcohol sales in America topped $252 billion in 2019? This number actually increased approximately 4% this year. An incredible sum of money. According to studies by Penn State, nearly 65% of all U.S. adults drink alcohol. Only a very few end up with addiction or liver injury. Let's get back to it. Alcohol intoxication can often be pleasant, but can have some unfortunate side effects as well. I think that the term overdose has been inappropriately limited in some people's mind to intravenous drug users who injure themselves with lethal doses of their drug of choice. In a similar vein, alcohol can certainly be overdosed and lead to life-altering or life-ending consequences. As one becomes increasingly intoxicated and inhibitions continue to fall, the barriers within your mind to continued consumption fall away for some. This can result in an experience called blacking out. What a terrifying prospect from the medical perspective. You lose the ability to record memory and to make safe decisions. In most ways, the dose determines the poison. Low doses of alcohol are relatively safe, but lethal doses are not too far beyond the next shot of whiskey. And that's just the danger from alcohol as a toxin itself disregarding the incredible danger that lowering inhibitions and poor decision-making can create. So, like with any substance, moderation is key. Everything on planet Earth must be consumed in moderation. Let's be honest, even too much sunlight can result in incredible damage to your body in the form of cancer. Now that we've talked about how alcohol can be dangerous in the short term, let's talk tolerance and, as a consequence, we can round out a discussion about detoxification. As a human brain is exposed to increasing amounts of GABA signaling, the neurotransmitter mimicked by alcohol, it eventually begins to ignore this sedating signal by becoming generally more active. 
it is possible to generate a modicum of tolerance to alcohol through the practice of routine consumption. Unfortunately, this makes it extremely difficult for patients who have a chronic alcohol consumption habit to be safely detoxified from alcohol. Allow me to walk you through my favorite metaphor for alcohol detox. Imagine you're sitting behind the wheel of a pickup truck on the highway, and no matter what happens, you must maintain a speed of 60 miles per hour. This is your brain, and the rate of speed is your normal rate of thinking. Every time you drink an alcoholic beverage, imagine you're adding a sandbag to the truck. As you slowly increase the weight of the truck, you are required to accelerate with more gas to maintain your speed of 60 miles an hour. Eventually, as alcohol begins to chronically weigh on your ability to think, you use increasing amounts of metaphorical gasoline to stay at the right speed. Sooner or later, an alcoholic patient may have up to 20 sandbags worth of weight in the back of that truck, and the pedal will be all the way to the floorboards. This is an incredibly dangerous way to drive a truck, and an equally dangerous way to run your brain. As an alcoholic makes the decision to quit drinking, they are challenged with an extremely dangerous proposition. Many non-medical advocates recommend quitting cold turkey. In our metaphor, this would be like taking all 20 sandbags out of the truck instantaneously without allowing the accelerator to accommodate to the change in weight. This results in tremulousness, confusion, diarrhea, and can actually result in seizures, hallucinations, and death. This feared constellation of symptoms has a special name, delirium tremens. In order to appropriately quit alcohol, I always recommend engaging with your primary care doctor and any of the thousands of alcohol cessation programs available across the country. If you're planning to do it alone, you have to slowly decrease the amount of alcohol you're drinking each day, allowing your body to accommodate to the loss of those metaphorical sandbags. Everyone who's concerned about their amount of alcohol consumption should be communicating with their primary care doctor. Chemical dependence to alcohol is only one aspect of alcoholism and addiction. The most insidious aspect of an addiction, in my perspective, is the momentum it gains from relationships with your friends and loved ones who you enjoy sharing that addiction with. It's oftentimes impossible to break free of an addictive habit to any substance when surrounded by people with whom you shared the experience in the first place. The brain seeks familiar, comforting activities and is designed to help us fit into our social groups. But if your health is your priority, you may need the willpower to break out of your social circles and join a new one with healthier habits. Groups like Alcoholics Anonymous work because they create a small community of like-minded people with the shared goal of recovery and abstinence. You don't have to fight addiction alone. You just need to know which resources and people to talk to. Chief amongst those people is your primary doctor. They have tools to help patients avoid the pitfalls of rapid detox and delirium tremens, along with medications that can make drinking even a sip of alcohol into a raging hangover. For some, avoiding negative sensations like hangovers is more than enough to help them overcome the desire to drink. 
As always, I recommend reaching out to your doctor if you have further questions about the tools available for people interested in quitting. Look forward to the podcast about liver disease and cirrhosis, where I discuss the major forms of liver injury and the long-term, often ruinous results. I want to share an important thought with you at the end of each episode. You are an educated and newly informed consumer of healthcare. You are becoming an organized complainer, which will allow you to maximize your value in your primary care physician visits. This podcast is not intended to replace or challenge the efforts of your primary care physician. I want you to use all of your knowledge to squeeze all of the value you can from that critical relationship. All medical decisions should be discussed with your PCP, and I even encourage them to listen to the podcast. Remember, that physician has committed their life and efforts to preventing patients from needing the hospital in the future. They are a trusted resource, and I couldn't be more thankful to my amazing colleagues. This podcast was brought to you through the power of Anchor Podcast app, empowering everyone to share their knowledge through podcasting. Please find more episodes of Daily Doc Podcast on all major listening apps, including Apple, Overcasts, and of course, Spotify. Please like and rate the show.